The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Hi, today on Family Matters, we will be talking about how divorce can, at least some of the time, be a good thing. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and my guest is Tara Eisenhart. She is a child of divorce, a divorcee, and a former partner of a divorced dad. All of these experiences have led her to believe that when a marriage no longer works, it should end. Families should be free not to dissolve, but to evolve. As an author, speaker, coach, mediator, and an ongoing student of divorce, Tara is passionate about sharing her vision and promoting a fresh perspective to allow for healthy healing. Her book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, tells the story of a divorce as a child experiences it. Tara also writes for her blog, Relative Evolutions, and is a contributor to DivorcedMoms.com and the online community, FamilyAffairs.com. Her work has been featured by Stepmom Magazine, MariaShriver.com, and The Huffington Post. And for more information, you can go to TaraEisenhard.com, which I will repeat later. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I like to begin at the beginning. I think for the story that you have to tell, the beginning is probably shortly before your parents decided to divorce. Yes. So tell me, what kind of family (laughs) did you grow up in? Well, um, you know, as far as I knew, it was pretty normal. Um, But uh, and and things were were fine in my parents' marriage for most of what I remember of my childhood. Um, But up and you know, before they they decided to separate, things had had gotten kind of rocky, and they were arguing a lot. so my my real story starts, um, it was actually about two weeks before my 12th birthday, and they were having this argument. They were in the next room over, and, um, and I could hear them. I don't have any recollection about what they were fighting about, but my mom said to my dad, she finally just said, oh, get a lawyer. I can't talk to you anymore. And then they started to, to talk about who was going to move out, and, um, and it was very scary. Um, and that was really, that was the beginning of um, my experience with divorce as a child of divorce. Um, 
So I really had a lot of anxiety going into that, just kind of overhearing their conversation. And then later on, they did, each of them kind of had a a little talk with me. We sat down and they said that they didn't know what exactly was going to happen, but they were going to let me know. And um, so going through it, um, you know, going into it and having a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainty um, and a lot of anxiety. And I was really, you know, scared because our culture uses terrible terminology to talk about divorce. We talk about broken homes and we talk about single parents. And, um, you know, that was really kind of all that I knew. Divorce was bad, right? Everybody thinks divorce is bad. And um, I was very pleasantly surprised to find that what happened was that my family grew as a result of the divorce. Both of my parents eventually recoupled uh, with people who cared very much about me and they had siblings that, you know, I also formed relationships with. So my family grew and my parents' relationship improved a whole lot. And they went from being, you know, really, um, you know, kind of enemies under the same roof to being very cooperative partners and teammates as who worked together as parents of me and my sister. And eventually they even became friends, which was just wonderful. So I really grew up thinking that divorce was a good thing. Okay, so it was scary at first, but it turned out to be just fine. Yes. How how long did it stay scary? How you know, how how what was the transition like? Um, it was probably the first um probably about 8 months, I think. Um before I started to feel a little bit more comfortable from the time that, um, you know, they, they had the fight. It was still a couple months after that until my dad moved out. And then um, after that, there was still, you know, just a lot of um, just change because, you know, we were kind of, my sister and I were going back and forth every other weekend. Um, and then it was, you know, a few months after that, my dad moved in with his girlfriend, which was a whole other change. Um, so, and I really didn't, want to go and see him at that point. Um, and, but I, you know, I got used to it and, and things got better. So it was probably about eight months or so from the time that they had the, the discussion um, until I, I started to feel better. Yeah, that is, from a child's perspective, that's a really quick change to have uh, a new woman involved with your dad when it's, it seems like yesterday that he broke up with your mom. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was really, um, it was very difficult because at the time that he moved in with her, I had only met her once. So I had to, you know, I had to go to this strange woman's house and sleep on her couch. And it was, it was really difficult for me. Um, but thankfully, you know, I, I did eventually, I, you know, I kind of relaxed a little bit and I got to know her and I got to know her daughter and I became really best friends with my dad's girlfriend's daughter um, to the point where um, she would come over and, and visit me and hang out with me when I was at my mom's for the weekend, and I would go to her dad's with her. Um, so it, wow. it turned out to be really great. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Okay, so um, your sister, was she older or younger than you? Younger. She's about eight and a half years younger than me. She was about four when my parents separated. Ah, does she have any recall of your parents living together? Not much. 
and mm-hmm. it's funny we've we've talked about it. Um, her perspective is very different than mine, and she had a harder time because she was so young when they first separated. You know, she didn't really understand what happened. She really missed my dad. Um, so she, uh, you know, a lot, you know, more of what you kind of read about, I guess you would say, um, mm-hmm. was her experience, whereas I was older and much more aware of what was going on. And, you know, although I had a lot of anxiety about the changes that were happening, I understood what the problem was. And I understood that the separation was the solution to the problem. I see. Did your sister, after some time, maybe a couple of years, did she become comfortable with the new arrangements? Yes. And actually, she became much more comfortable after my dad moved in with his girlfriend. Um, she was much more comfortable even before I was. Um, she was, you know, proved to be highly adaptable to that situation. <laughs> okay. And um, so, yes, yeah, she was, by the time I got comfortable, she was already there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So your parents divorced. They uh, worked together cooperatively so that you and your sister could have calm childhoods and just be kids, I gather. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, did you spend lots of time with your dad or, I mean, summers or just we, every other weekend? Um, or? We did every other weekend, but he was very close. He only lived a couple miles away. And so he was still very much involved in our lives. And so anytime that, you know, we had any kind of events with school or sporting events or anything like that, my dad was always there for those kinds of things. And then we went on vacation with him in the summer. Um, We did a lot of camping in the summer. So sometimes we would go, depending on what was going on at the campground that we went to, sometimes we would go on the weekends that, you know, weren't necessarily scheduled dad weekends or whatever. And uh, my parents really gave me a lot of freedom when it came to holidays, too, because I had traditions um, with both of my parents that was very important to me that I kept intact and they allowed me to do that. I spent Thanksgivings with my dad and his family because that was what we always did. And my mom's family lived uh, several hundred miles away. And so we did every other Christmas with them as we always had. I see. So it really sounds like you and your sister had it about as good as it gets for kids whose parents have divorced. Yes. And I had no idea how good we had it at the time. What makes you say that? Well, when I I grew up and I um, became aware that, you know, most families don't transition that easily, and I had no idea, and I was in my early 20s before I realized I I worked with a guy who was divorced, and he had a decent relationship with his ex-wife, but his girlfriend didn't approve of that, and I I didn't understand, and that that was kind of my first tip-off that, oh, you know, most most people don't really get along, and most people don't think it's okay to get along, and, um, you know, then I kind of started to look back on my childhood and my, you know, some of the friends that I'd had that had divorced parents, and, you know, realized, oh, yeah, their their situation wasn't the same as mine, Um, so it was kind of a a big eye-opener at that point. Right. So you didn't really tune into the difference while you were a child, but then when you looked back, you could see that some people don't handle divorce nearly as constructively as your parents did. Yes. Okay. So that's awesome. And now you're helping other people to handle divorces constructively. Yes. Among the other things that you do. (laughs) Yes. So um, you grew up, as most of us do, 
Uh, eventually, you got married, as most of us do. How old were you when you married? I was 25 when I got married. Okay. And how long were you married? Uh, officially two years, but we, we separated after about a, a year and a half, maybe a little longer than that. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it okay. wasn't a good match. I, I married the, uh, the little boy who sat behind me in fourth grade and used to pull my hair. And I thought, oh, it was well, a funny that story. should have been a big clue. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd known each other since fourth grade. Did you date a long time? Were you um, really involved with each other a long time before you married? We, um, we did date and, and lived together for several years before we got married. Um, it wasn't a high school sweetheart kind of thing. We were, you know, kind of enemies. He used to pull my hair. And uh, so we, we <laughs> met up again in our early 20s and started seeing each other and, um, and then got married when, uh, when I was 25. Okay. Is he about, was he about the same age? Yes. I guess it must have been if you're in fourth grade together. <laughs> okay. Any kids? No. No, just dogs out of that one. <laughs> okay. Just dogs. Did you fight about the dogs? Uh, not too bad, actually. We we fought about just about everything except the dogs. And there were times when we were, um, you know, in the car coming home and we were arguing about something and we wouldn't go home because we didn't want to fight in front of the dogs. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to pass that story along to some of the parents who have a hard time not fighting in <laughs> front of their kids. <laughs> So you fought a lot. What was what was the process of getting divorced like for you? Um, it was interesting because we were we had been unhappy, and I you know if I'm being really honest, I I knew that I shouldn't have married him, but there was just no there was no good reason not to. We had lived together, we had dogs together. Um, it just made sense, um, and so you know we we did, and but then it didn't take long to realize that we were just very different people and ultimately we wanted different things in our lives and we really came to resent each other for being kind of trapped in this relationship this existence that neither one of us was really happy with um and so we fought a lot about just about everything and one night he told me that he thought that we should separate and at first I was very angry and I, it was followed moments later by this, uh, this light bulb moment where he said to me, isn't this what you want? Don't you hate me? And I thought about it for a second and I was like, wow, yeah. And I said to him, I said, I do hate you. You're right. We need to separate. Wow. <laughs> and um, and it, was, it was so wonderful because being honest about it and, and being able to say, yeah, this is not working and we absolutely need to separate, we were able to realize that our divorce was, you know, like my parents, it was a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. And we worked cooperatively through that process from that point on. So now I'm confused. You said that you fought about a lot of stuff, but you worked cooperatively through the process. Can you Correct. clarify that for me? <laughs> yeah. And, and it really, it is just like it sounds. Um, we fought all the time because we were under the same roof and we, you know, we wanted different things and, you know, he wanted to have a baby and I didn't want to have a baby. And we argued about, you know, what to, you know, how to spend the money or, you know, what we were going to have for dinner or whatever it was at the, at the time. Um, 
And we were both very angry with each other all the time for all kinds of different reasons. But when it came to being honest and recognizing and admitting to ourselves and to each other that what we were doing wasn't working and that we needed to get out of the relationship, our separation became a shared goal between the two of us. And we were able to really unite on that front and work towards that together. And that's exactly what we did. Okay. Now it makes sense. So (laughs) did you work with a mediator, work with a couple of lawyers, all of the above? Well, um, at the time, I didn't know that mediation was a thing. Um, And if I had known, we probably would have gone to a mediator. What we ended up doing was um, we had a, a family member who was an attorney, and he knew all the questions to ask. And we knew that we didn't want to lawyer up and go to war with each other, um, but we needed help having a conversation. So essentially what we did do was a mediation. We just didn't know it. Um, So we met our family member at a Chinese restaurant, and we sat down on the same side of the booth. And, um, you know, we talked about, you know, I want this and you can have that. And we made a lot of compromises. um, And, you know, it was... It was great. One of the things was that um, the computer was mine. He had bought me the computer for Christmas, but he used it for his business. And so when I said, the computer's mine, he said, yeah, but I use that. And he said, how about if I buy you a new laptop instead? And I said, okay, that works. Yeah, so that works. It was, <laughs> it was really a wonderful, you know, just, you know, teamwork. Uh-huh. And, and we sat there and we hashed everything out and... We came up with an agreement, and we came up with a timeline to execute that agreement, and we did it. And I didn't even call a lawyer to file for divorce until after everything was done. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a business together, and I, had, I signed off on the business, and I, I gave you know, pretty much all of it to him because it was, he was the one that had worked so hard to build it um, while I kept my regular job and had mm-hmm. health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we did everything there, you know, signed off on the business and uh, gave back the company car and got a new car and did everything that we needed to do. And when I called an attorney and he wanted to know all of the story about our assets and I said, no, there's nothing left. I just need to file for divorce. So I never even met my attorney. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so that is, we're going to break soon, but I want to point out while we're here that it's wonderful that you had a relative who could essentially be your mediator and help you work everything out. And that's an enormously valuable piece of information for people to have, that a couple separating can work everything out with a mediator. Get advice from a lawyer's is a good idea for a lot of people, but do most of the work with a mediator, and you can decide everything on your own. You don't have to go to war about it. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, one of the things we will be talking about is your book, The D Word, Divorce okay. Through a Child Size. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish. 
because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm talking today with Tara Eisenhardt, whom you can find online at TaraEisenhardt.com. And she is a long-term student of divorce and an ongoing student of divorce. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and we were just talking about Tara's own divorce, which was very cooperative. How did your friends react? What did they think about it when you were getting divorced? Well, I was very excited to be getting divorced. Um, by the time I was ready to tell people, I felt absolutely confident in the decision that we had made. And I was really surprised to find that when I told people I was getting divorced, they had one of two reactions. Um, they either told me that they were so, so sorry to hear that, or they were very angry and they told me that I needed to you know, call this lawyer and I needed to get very mad and I needed to take my ex-husband for all he was worth. And I, I didn't feel either one of those things. Like I said, it was, it was a shared goal between the two of us. We were working together. It was very cooperative. And um, so I was, I was really confused. And I started, that was what started me on this journey as a student of divorce. I went looking for, um, you know, having nobody that really told me that they were happy for me. Lots of people were supportive, but nobody was very happy like I was happy. Um, so I went looking for a book. I wanted to read a book about somebody who was happy to be divorced. And so I kind of went on Amazon and I, I searched for, you know, good divorces or something like that. And um, the closest thing that I could find was a book by Constance Aaron called The Good Divorce. 
and it was a it was a book about a study that she had done about divorces, and some of them were good and some of them were not so good. Um, but it was all about how to have a good divorce and the elements that go into it and the elements that make things uh, not so good. And um, so I read that, and that was kind of the first step in this journey that I've, that I've been on ever since then. You surprised me there. You said you had friends who were so, so sorry about your divorce, very sad on your behalf, and you had friends who were angry and wanted you to take your ex for all he was worth, which is horrible, and friends do react that way sometimes. Yeah. Um, you didn't mention anybody saying, my gosh, Tara, you were married only a year and a half. Don't you think you should try a little harder? I did hear that, too. You did hear that. <laughs> no, I didn't hear it so much from my close friends, um, but I did, I did hear that, too, that um, there, was, there was one person in particular who told me that, um, you know, really she suggested that I was taking the easy way out. And I think that anybody who has been divorced, regardless of how long they were married, can say that divorce is never the easy way out. Um, or it's usually not the easy way out. Um, the easy thing is to stay there with the devil you know, so to speak, and uh, in the life that you know, and not upend everything in your world. Mm-hmm. But for you and for your ex, divorce was really a solution. And for your parents, divorce was a solution. Yes. So. Okay, so next step in, one of the next steps in your learning about divorce, you got involved with a man who had been divorced and had one child? Uh, he had a, a couple. He had, uh, he had two boys, actually, that I, I was, you know, involved with uh, throughout our relationship. And um, he had a very traditional divorce so to speak, um, unfortunately. And, you know, there was animosity between him and his ex. And so that was another thing that, you know, on my journey where I had already become at that point very curious, I was already reading a lot about divorces um, in general, divorce. Um, and then with through my exposure with him and his situation, I started to look a lot more at children and step families and, you know, how to you know, where did I fit in with that picture as families continue to evolve? Um, because his kids were, you know, they were like I was at one point where they were going through this situation where everything had changed and both of their parents were then recoupling and um, they didn't have the, you know, the same situation that I had where their parents weren't super cooperative and very supportive of each other, um, you know, going through that process. And so there was a lot more a lot more curiosity and a lot more research that I started to do and a lot more books that I read. Okay. How old were his kids? Um, they were four and six when I met them. Four and six. So they were young. Okay. Yeah. And we were together for about five years. Okay. Uh, and eventually you broke up. Yes. So breaking up when you had never gotten married to each other, even though you were together for a long time, was that a whole lot simpler than divorcing? It was a whole lot different um, than my divorce. Um, it, it wasn't the same as my divorce. Um, there was, it was, as far as, as breakups go, it was probably a little bit more traditional. Um, we don't have the same cooperative relationship that I still have with my ex-husband. 
um, just kind of the way that, that things went. And, um, you know, you can only control yourself and other people are, are sort of beyond that. So everybody's going to make their own decisions. Um, so it was, um, it was a lot different than my divorce. There was no legal piece of it. I didn't have to, you know, call anybody and file paperwork. So on that front, it was a lot easier. Um, but there were some other things as far as, you know, just get, we did live together. Um, so things like, you know, returning each other's belongings and things like that, that, um, were, didn't go as well as it had in my marriage. So you did not, for example, have shared ownership of a house or a vehicle? Not, no. No, we didn't. So, yeah, so property, dividing assets and debts was not complicated for you. (laughs) Right, that piece of it was not. Okay. Okay. So uh, later on, you came to write this book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes. Why did you write it? What were you hoping to accomplish? Well, it was interesting. I have been writing stories since I was in elementary school. And I always wanted to write young adult books. I love Judy Bloom, and I always wanted to write Judy Bloom style books. And one day I started to write this story, and I really, um, you know, the, it, the story just kind of came out of me about this, uh, this girl who was watching her parents go through a divorce, and her situation was very similar to mine in many ways but her parents didn't have the same relationship that my parents did. And um, I thought that I was writing the story for 12-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls. And I realized about a chapter or two into it that I really wanted parents to read the book. And although it's appropriate for probably anybody from, you know, nine and up, um, I really wanted adults to read the book because I wanted them to see that, Everybody going through a divorce is really existing in a different reality. And so the main character in the book, Gina, is going through um, a very different saga than what her parents are. And her parents don't realize exactly how things are for her. And so she hears half of phone conversations and she tries to put these pieces together and she tries to make sense of what's happening and she's kind of caught in the middle And her parents don't realize exactly what's going on for her. They don't see how she's digesting things and the stories that she's putting together and what that looks like for her and what that feels like for her. Because mom and dad are both in their reality as well, where, you know, mom and dad are exes of each other, whereas to Gina, they're both her parents. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a big difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the book does that very successfully. You can tell that what this experience is like for the mother is very different from what it's like for the father. And what it's like for the 12-year-old girl is completely different from both of the above. And what it's like for her younger brother is different again. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think, I think you succeed in creating the picture that lets people have some insight into that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I really, I want it to be a resource that everybody in the family can use to go through the process. And I've had people tell me that, um, that they've 
you know, mom and daughter have read the book. And then they've been able to have conversations about things, little things in the book that they picked up on that I didn't, you know, plant intentionally. Um, but things like different rules at different houses. And how does this, how does, you know, how does that work? Um, what's the concern for mom? What's the, the benefit or the concern for the child? Those kinds of things. How is it different? Does it matter? I see. One of the features of the story that was prominent for me was that this girl rather quickly became very distant from her father, very antagonistic toward her father, um, partly reacting to things that she overheard her mom say whether or not the mom was intending to turn this kid against her dad, the effect of what the mom was talking about was that the child felt like she needed to take sides and she was going to be on her mom's side. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at how convincingly you created that. It's really a picture of parental alienation, not at its worst, because sometimes it's very intentional and 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 very vicious, um, but you know, even if it's accidental, it's pretty damaging to a child. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, I wanted to show in the book. Um, and throughout the context of the book, the word the word alienation was not used. Um, mm-hmm. And Gina's mother is really pretty naive about what she's doing. I think she knows what she's doing, but she's not really she doesn't have this long-term plan where she's being super strategic about it. Um, And, um, but I I wanted people to be able to see that it can happen and, and it happens in the the littlest ways. Gina picks up on things from her mom, you know, when she comes back from seeing her dad, just her her mom saying, Oh, you know, I missed you so much or the look on her face or, you know, Mm -hmm. she reads these emotional vibes that she gets from her mother and she makes these determinations based on that. Um, and it, it has really long-term lasting consequences. It does very much. Um, another thing, one thing that I liked a lot about the book, frankly, <laughs> I got really frustrated reading your book, Tara. I kept going, <laughs> why does this mother not realize that she's <laughs> doing damage here? Why does she not, why does it not occur to her that, her daughter can overhear her phone conversations. <laughs> What's wrong with this woman? <laughs> um, but it is true that a lot of people who are getting divorced are just very upset and they don't exercise the kind of discretion that ideally parents would. Right. But I was getting to one of the things I liked a lot about the book is um, that you demonstrated very convincingly how a child who has turned against a parent can be brought back into a positive relationship with that parent. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, yeah. shall we give away a little bit of what's in the book or should we just let people read it? Well, I can give away just a little bit. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> it, it was also very important to me when I, when I started to write the story because I did want to show how things can go awry, but I also wanted to show that things can normalize again. And oftentimes in divorce, even with very nasty divorces, 
eventually, you know, the tempers flare, but they kind of come down again, and families do find a new normal. And as that started to happen with Gina's mother, she realizes that, you know, she kind of made a big deal about things that maybe weren't such a big deal, and and she realizes that she, you know, probably messed up a little bit. Um, And so the family does really have a second chance, and they are able to through working together, because that's really the only way to repair the family is if everybody can work together. Um, But, you know, they were able to work together and and come to a new understanding and have that new normal. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that, you know, Gina, at the, you know, any real Gina who went through this process um, would go on to to recognize a a life much more like what I had when I was growing up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things the book illustrates is how a 12-year-old child can lose a part of her childhood when her parents divorce. Mm-hmm. She gets um she can get uh invited into or pushed into an inappropriately adult seeming role. Yes. And that I think that happens naturally a lot of times in divorce for any child who's of that age. And that happened with me not because my parents really pushed me into it, but just because I was aware. I knew that my parents were stressed, and so I felt the need to, as the oldest child, I felt the need to kind of step up and, and you know, just make sure that I wasn't getting in trouble and things like that and make sure that my grades were good, um, and so it, it is kind of a, I think, a natural thing with divorce for, for some kids to sort of step up and, and take on a little bit of that. Yeah. And it is something that uh, people in the field often advise parents to be careful about. You know, mm-hmm. your child is still a child. Let her have her childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, we're not supposed to have children taking care of their parents. We're supposed to have parents taking care of their children. Right. Yeah. Okay, so clearly this book was not a memoir of what you experienced. It's it's a, a piece of fiction that you created to make it easy for adults as well as children to see, as the title of the book implies, divorce through a child's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of took myself and I put myself in a, a divorce that would be a little bit more what other people are used to. And, um, and I wrote it from there. Okay. Well, I think we're going to take another break now, and I will be back talking with Tara Eisenhard in a couple of minutes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. 
Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Here on Family Matters today, I'm talking with Tara Eisenhard, author of the book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, a book that is intended for children and for adults so that you know, to help people understand what divorce looks like from the child's perspective. We've talked for a while now, so we have those who've been listening understand why you became so much interested in the topic of divorce, and you've really made quite a study of it. What have you learned well, I started off um, because I couldn't understand why everybody was either angry or sad for me when I was going through my divorce, and so that was really my springboard to to look into what feeds into this cultural machine of divorce that we have. And um, so what I realized was that everyone has their own story. And like I said when I was talking about the book, everybody who goes through divorce is living in their own reality. And we all write those stories for ourselves. We decide who's the heroine or the hero and who's the victim and who's the enemy and who's, you know, whatever these other characters are, like we assign people. And so when other people were telling me that they were sad for me or they were angry for me, a lot of times they were talking from their own experience. They were talking from their divorce narrative where they were angry or they were sad and whatever the experience they had with divorce was coming out in you know what their discussion with me was and so I realized that everyone everyone has these stories and we all have our own filters and we're all seeing it kind of tainted a little bit because we have different experiences and um, I realized that another thing that plays into this so much is our cultural attitudes toward divorce 
And we live in a society where we prize marriage and family and we absolutely despise divorce. And so anybody who goes through a divorce has this feeling that they're doing something wrong. And like you said, when you asked me about my divorce and didn't anybody say, oh, you haven't been married that long, shouldn't you try harder? Um, and so that's kind of the world that we live in where, you know, everybody needs to try harder. And if you're getting divorced, it's the easy way out. Um, but like I said, getting divorced is not the easy way out. But the people who do make that decision, um, they go through this process where it comes with a lot of shame. And I realize that people who make this choice, they deal with this shame from society. They have to go out and they have to tell people, I'm getting divorced. And in that process, they are on some level saying, as far as you know, everybody else is concerned, that they're a bad parent. You know, they worry that they're a bad person, that they're doing the wrong thing. And so that feels terrible. And a lot of times when you have two people who feel really terrible, or in one person who feels really terrible, um, a really nice way to soothe that horrible feeling is to get very, very angry and blame somebody. And so you start with the, I call it the shame and blame cycle, where somebody feels shame, and so they retaliate by sending this blame to the other side and saying, well, it's not me. It's not my fault that my marriage failed. It's because my husband cheated or it's because my husband spent all the money or whatever it is that this other person did that was so awful. It's not my fault. And so you send the blame to the other side, and then the other person, you know, of course, they, they feel that shame too, and they've got all of this blame dumped on them. And so what's, you know, what's my ex-husband going to say? He's going to say, well, it's not my fault. You know, I cheated on her because she was just so awful, and she burned the dinner every day, and she never fed me, or she didn't clean the house, whatever it was. You know, there's just this constant back and forth where people feel so much more of a sense of purpose when they're angry and they're fighting with each other. And it feels much better than to say, oh, yeah, we messed up, which I don't think they messed up, but a lot of people do. So <laughs> so we have, um, we have people who are, are going through this process, and it's a very lonely process, and we have no cultural norms to deal with this. And so everybody's kind of left to their own devices, and left to their own devices, a lot of people choose to feel better by feeling angry. Yeah. One thing I might add to that is that a lot of people ending their marriage have a sense of failure. Mm -hmm. Our society really celebrates it when you've been married for 25 years or you've been married for 50 years. Mm -hmm. If you're separating and divorcing after two years or five years or 20 years, a lot of people view that as a failure Mm -hmm. um, and feel terrible Mm -hmm. and you are trying to help people look at it from a different perspective Mm -hmm. what would an ideal divorce look like to you well ultimately um, one of my main missions in life is to change the way that our culture views divorce change the way that we think about divorce and I think that as a society we need to realize that we have to trust people to make the right decisions for their family or to at least make decisions for their families. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't criticize people when they say they're going to get married. I mean, maybe some of us do and behind closed doors. But, 
<laughs> for the most part, when people say they're going to get married, it doesn't matter, you know, how terrible their relationship might be, um, you know, to an outsider. But nobody says, oh, no, you're making a horrible mistake. Um, people say, oh, where are you registered? And, you know, where can I buy the gifts? And where are you going to have the ceremony? Um, you know, we just, we trust people. We trust people to, to get married, but we don't trust people to make the, you know, the same. And getting married is fun. People want to get married. Um, nobody wants to get divorced. Um, so when, by the time people come to that point, they, you know, they've usually exhausted all alternate avenues, um, you know, sometimes spend decades in therapy. Um, and they, they know that this is what they have to do. And so as a culture, we need to trust people to make this choice, whatever the choice is, um, and realize that, that they are the ones who are the experts in their families. Um, and so, you know, continuing in that vein, really, um, an ideal divorce to me involves two people who take control and they own that situation, they own their decision, instead of marching off to different lawyers and going to a, co- a courtroom and putting the fate of their family in the hands of a stranger, which is so often what we do. Um, but no, I w- would like to see them own that decision. I would like to see them take control and use a mediator to help them have more difficult discussions. Or if they can have the difficult discussions without a third party, that's even better. I um, really like the idea of having a divorce ceremony because if you think about it in our culture, um, we have rituals to deal with everything, um, everything from birth to death. And we've got, you know, weddings and anniversary parties and graduations and all kinds of things like that in between. Um, but we don't have anything that deals with divorce. And so people are, are left by themselves um, kind of flailing with all of those emotions but if we put some structure around that and we allowed people to be honest about their feelings and feel good about the decision that they made and realize that their relationship is going to evolve and not dissolve, that their family is going to evolve and not dissolve, and in particular for people who share children together, I think the idea of a divorce ceremony is very important because it shows the children that their parents are still their parents and their family is still their family. And so they would get to see mom and dad stand up in front of, you know, them, their family, their friends, and, um, and exchange a new set of vows that say things like, I forgive you, and I release you, and I honor you as co-creator of our children. And, you know, they would exchange those vows, um, and it would be a very, you know, a very heartfelt kind of thing where they would come together and they would realize that, this is closing of one chapter, but it's beginning a new one, and the family's still intact. And so instead of um, having, you know, the, like after the wedding, you have the reception, and, um, you know, there's fun and games and dancing. And so this would be, I would like to see something that's kind of similar. Um, but, you know, maybe there's a cake, and maybe the kids feed the cake to their parents instead of mom and dad feeding each other like they would at their wedding. Um, you know, you could have games. I have a friend of mine had suggested one time that, um, you know, he was like, oh, you could have a parting party and we could completely redefine the ring toss, you know, so mom and dad take <laughs> off their rings and they toss them. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know if there's any prizes involved there, but, um, but really, you know, people could kind of have fun with it and, and make that very, something very personal 
and very um, particular to their family, something that's very unique. And I think that that would go a long way in helping families to accept this and to deal with this and to move on in a very mindful and healthy and respectful way. Have you seen any people try that, try try to create their own ceremony for the divorce transition? I have not seen it with my own eyes, but I, know, I have read stories about people who've done it. Okay. I think it's a great idea. I I really like that idea of standing up in front of your family and friends as you do when you marry and making a new set of promises to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is, it, I think probably... Probably near the time of separation and even at the time of divorce, some people are not yet ready to forgive and they right. shouldn't say that they're forgiving the other person if they're not because it doesn't mm-hmm. help to lie. Right. But people can, a lot of people could make promises such as, you know, I understand that it's really important for me to support you in being the best parent that you can be mm-hmm. or even if we don't like each other. I know you are a really important person in our kids' lives, and I'm going to cooperate with you and make life good for them. Exactly. Okay. Um, Any other advice about divorce processes? Well, I do have um, my good divorce principles, um, where good is an acronym, and I think it makes it really easy to, you know, just kind of spell it out, where G stands for goals. Um, I think going into a divorce, you need to set goals. And for me, of course, I believe that divorce itself is a shared goal. Um, The first O is for observation, meaning that there's going to be a lot of scenarios that come up, and it's really important not to have a knee-jerk reaction, but rather just kind of stop and observe the situation, observe your feelings, observe, you know, the other person's actions, um, and then kind of go through any options. That's the other O is options. Um, you know, what are your options as far as a response to the situation that's come up? Or, you know, how are you and your ex going to work through this particular issue together? Um, and then D is for dignity. And I think it's really important to go through the entire divorce process with not only your own dignity in mind and, and being, you know, having a dignified approach for yourself, but also preserving the dignity of any children that are involved. And that means not denigrating their other parent and allowing them to continue to be children and feel good about their family. Not denigrating. Yeah, the, the maintaining everyone's dignity, if at all possible, certainly seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Very do contrary some, to what a lot of people do. Do some people tell you you are looking through rose-colored glasses? Oh, you know? all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> do you have any statistics you can respond with? Um. I didn't think of asking you in that in advance. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't really have any, um, any statistics off the top of my head, but I know that I'm not crazy because I lived it. I lived it as a child of divorce, and I lived it as an adult who went through my own divorce. I know other people who've done this. I have, you know, I have friends who have cooperative relationships with their exes, and so I know that it's possible. 
And um, my dad said to me one time um, after, you know, he had seen a, an interview with me or something somewhere, and uh, he sent me an email, and, and he said, it's, it's not easy, but you can make it work. You just have to want to bad enough. And I think that really sums it up when, when people are able to realize what's important mm-hmm. and put that out front. Yeah. I did an interview recently with Patricia Papernow, who uh, has done a lot of research about step families. So that's another step after divorce, but a lot of people do recouple. Mm-hmm. And she has excellent advice about how you can do that well. And the advice is counterintuitive, but it's, I think it's really helpful for people who are going through a divorce, particularly if you're going to move in with your boyfriend or your girlfriend six months or a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a great, it's a great interview to look up, a great book to read. And it does, there is research that says kids in well-functioning step-families do just as well as peop- as kids who were in families that where their original mom and dad stayed together. Mm-hmm. So we know it can work. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I would like to say thank you to Tara Eisenhard. I will remind our listeners, if you want to find Tara's book, it's The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, and you can learn more about Tara and her efforts to understand divorce and help people with divorce at TaraEisenhard.com. Thanks a lot, Tara. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.